0: It says in Judges 19 they were near Jebus this is the old uh, the first name of Jerusalem before David named it the city of David or Jerusalem and it says they were near Jebus and the day was far spent and the servant said to his master come please and let us turn aside into the city of the Jebusites and lodge in it In verse 12, he says, But his master said to him, We will not turn aside here into a city of foreigners who are not of the children of Israel. We will go on to Gibeah. So he said to his servant, Come, let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night in Gibeah or in Ramah. And they passed, if you skip verse 14, verse 15 says, and they turned aside there to go in to lodge in Gibeah. And when he went in, he sat down in the open square, talking about this Levite here that had been traveling from Bethlehem to Gibeah. And it says that he sat down in the open square, and notice what he said, for no one would take him in, to his house to spend the night. Just then, an old man came in from his work in the field at evening, who also was from the mountains of Ephraim. He was staying in Gibeah, whereas the men of the place were Benjamites. And then verse 17, When he raised his eyes, He saw a traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, where are you going and where do you come from? Two questions. Where are you going and where do you come from? Notice that where you come from is not prerequisite. God is concerned about where you are going. And I hope this morning you are going somewhere. And then it goes on to say, he said to him, we are passing from Bethlehem in Judah toward the remote mountains of Ephraim. I am from there. I went to Bethlehem in Judah. Now I'm going to the house of the Lord. I told you that would make sense. We are going to the house of the Lord, but there is no one. Notice this. There is no one there was no one to take us in there is no one to take us in and so this story is in the backdrop of israel not having a king you could say there's no govern there's no governance there's no um there's really no laws there's no regulations and the only law that they had was basically where God had told the Israelites to welcome the stranger, to welcome foreigners. In other words, God said, remember, you were slaves in Egypt, so be welcoming, be hospitable, be be welcoming. And so so the law that the only law that this Benjamite knew was to his fellow Benjamite or to his fellow Levite was to welcome him in, to bring him in. It was customary in those days that if you saw someone late out night in the evening sitting in the plaza, they didn't have anywhere to stay. They didn't have a home. Perhaps they were traveling or maybe they were on business. And so we don't know exactly what we might find someone doing out in the evening alone. But it was customary that whenever you saw someone, that you would invite them into your home without any preconditions. There was just this hospitality and welcoming that you did. And notice that this young man was sitting out there in the open square, and an old man saw him, who was from Benjamin as well, from the mountains of Gilead, and he asked him, where are you going, and where do you come from? And he says, well, we were on our way to the house of the Lord, but no one invited me in. No one invited you in, so he says, why don't you come into my home, and all your needs will be taken care of notice the generosity of this fellow benjamin how many of you guys know that Thankful Christians are generous Christians. There's no reason to question your giving in this ministry. I mean, I really believe we are a generous ministry. We find a need and we meet it. There's places to serve. So find a place to serve. I know that angel tree, that angel tree party. If, if you just want to see what takes place and the child and the, the smile that you can put on a child's face, I invite you just come and observe and see the gratitude some of us we haven't been that needful in a while so we don't know the the gratitude expressed by these children so i invite you to come so notice that this man is on a journey he's actually on his way And he is listening to his servant, and his servant says, well, we're coming through, and it's getting late at night. Why don't we stay here in Jebus? And notice that this Benjamin, this Levite, says, no, we will not stay here in this city of foreigners, because he knew he would not be accepted in this city. He knew that if he stayed out, he would be late at night, and no one would invite him in, so he decided to go to his own countrymen, to the city of Benjamin, or to the town of of the Benjaminites and he went into the city, but notice the predicament. No one invited you in. No one invited you in. And notice that in hospitality and the Unservability were the two things that God said, if you are not hospitable and if you are not a servant, you will be kept out from my service. As a matter of fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23, God said like this to the children of Israel, because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt, and notice, because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor, from Pithor or Mesopotamia to curse you, he says, no one of these people will be invited into my service. In other words, God said, because they were inhospitable to you, and because they were unwelcoming to you, they couldn't bring you a morsel of bread when you were coming out of Egypt, therefore those people will be left out of my service sanctuary the moabites no one of them would be able to minister before me they will be they will be left out so our hospitality and our servability is linked to our service in the house of god and you know this morning i was thinking about this and i read this chapter and listened to this chapter on my iphone and on my ipad you know, uh, at different times through different translations. And I thought, what was it that so disconnected the Benjamites from their fellow Levites? What was it that disconnected one generation from another? What led to this inhospitability that they weren't willing to welcome this Levite in to their home? And I wrote this down. It was a defected generation. In other words, they defected from God. They left God. The priesthood had defected from God, and the Benjamites who were supposed to be at God's service, they defected from God. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about the priesthood defects, and here's four Areas where you know you have defected, and only you can do a self-examination. How many of you guys ever do those Google health checks? All of a sudden, you have you have a certain pain on your right ear, and you start googling. You start googling the the Medi Google. Well, I did that to myself, and I thought, okay, if I've defected from the Lord, if I've moved away from God, what is it that has caused this defection? Why have I defected from the Lord? And What are some of the symptoms of a defected people or defected generation? I wrote four of them down, and we have them on the screen for you. You can write them down. As a matter of fact, if you're not taking notes in church, just tell your neighbor, I'm not willing to stay dumb. I want a girl, so take notes. You know, when I was a kid and as a teenager, we learned to take notes. So what are some of the symptoms of a defected generation or a defected priesthood? Loss of service. Can't find anywhere to serve in the church. Don't have a motivation to serve in the church. Don't have a motivation to, to serve like I used to. How many of you guys have, have been infected by that loss of service? Well, they don't really need my help. They have enough people serving and giving. There's always room for more service. A defective generation. It's one of the symptoms is loss of compassion. Loss of compassion thirdly loss of hurt you don't feel hurt you don't feel pain anymore I mean, if you guys you know you see someone hurting you'll be like well you brought that on yourself and so you no longer hurt for them like you used to when you first came to know the, the lord you you had a hurt and you hurt for people what about the loss of convictions when i was writing these things down i said man i'm preaching to myself Preaching to myself first before I could deliver this. So, what is this antidote for a defected priesthood? What is the antidote for a defected generation? Here it is: the next four things that you need to do, and you'll see through the text in Leviticus and Judges chapter nineteen what this Levite did. The Bible says that this Levite he reconnected to his roots. He recommitted. And he restored and he returned. Now, if you read the portion of the, of the verses that I did not read, the Bible, this is a strange story. Sometimes we can't see any, um, any, anything drawn out at us in some of these stories. But this story, the backdrop of this story is this Levi had married a concubine. She left him, went home, and they were separated for four months. And so he actually went back home to get her. And the Bible says that while he was at her home, the father detained him. The father detained him, and one night eventually turned in to six nights, and the father kept telling him, stay tonight, you know, today's not a good day to travel, why don't you stay another night, and so the Bible actually says that he was detained, he was detained, and he uh, was detained in the father's home and, and, and as he was trying to make his way out, he, he stayed not one day, not two days, but two days turned into three days and three days turned into six nights and finally the Bible says on the sixth night he had enough of the company of his father-in-law and he got up and he left and he finds himself in the city of Gibeah where no one welcomed him in. It reminded me of the story of the Good Samaritan. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10, verse 33, that someone asked Jesus, well, then who is my neighbor? And Jesus goes on to say in verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, notice as he journeyed, because if you remember the story, the Bible says that a Levite passed this man that had fell among thieves, a Pharisee had passed him, but finally, at last, a Samaritan had passed and as he journeyed, he came where he was. Isn't that like Jesus? He came where we were. And the Bible says that when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And verse 35, he says, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come, I will repay you. So notice this Samaritan takes on the role that a defected generation had to take. Because it was the Levites Responsibility. It was... The, the priest's responsibility to minister to the needs of the people. And the Pharisees, when they heard Jesus, they said, that's not our responsibility. They had been defected. They had lost their service. They had lost their compassion. And they had lost their, 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 their sense of feeling someone else's hurt. So when they saw this man that had fallen among the thieves, the Bible says that they walked the other way around or they walked right over him. They walked right over him. But Jesus says a certain Samaritan a certain Samaritan looked at him and the Bible says he went where he was and he covered his wounds and he bandaged him and he took him to the inn. He brought him into the inn and notice his generosity and his thanksgiving. He says, whatever you spend, whatever more you need, when I come, I will repay you. How many of you guys know that it's a, it's a second mile attitude that God is looking for. It's a, I'll do this and then some type of attitude but have you lost your service have you lost your compassion have you lost your hurt notice take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come I will repay you notice it was the priests who were given the charge to care for God's people it was the priests who were given the charge to the service of God. You know, there was two types of priesthoods. Before I go on talking about this, Levite and go back to that story. In the Bible, God talks about two types of priesthoods. There's the priesthood of Eli, and then there was the priesthood of Zadok. And I don't have a whole lot of time to go into all in detail. But basically, the Bible says in Ezekiel 44 that God's people, the Levites who had left me. Notice we're talking about a priesthood of Levites that had defected. Now you guys know what a defection is, right? When you defect, when you join the, the enemy side, or when you leave your camp and go to another camp, Israel had that problem. Sometimes We have that problem. Ezekiel 44, I don't know if they have it up on the screen, but since you have your Bible, you can turn there. Ezekiel 44, he says like this for just a minute and learn something this morning. He says, and the Levites, Ezekiel 44, verse 10, and the Levites who went far from me, notice who defected from me, when Israel went astray, who strayed away from me after their idols. Notice he says, Yeah. They shall bear their iniquity, yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary. Notice that God says, these Levites who left, they're going to be able to serve, but they'll be able to serve in the sanctuary. And then he says, they shall stand before them to minister to them. Notice, but God makes a distinction. He says in verse 13, and they shall not come near to me to minister to me. And then he goes on to say in verse 15, but the priest, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, notice there's two groups of Levite priests, those that had defected, those that have left God and those, and and even though they left God, they were still able to serve God in the sanctuary and minister to the people. But God says, those that kept my charge and those that did not defect, those that did not leave and abandon me, those that did not lose their compassion and their service and their convictions. He says, those ones will be able to minister to me. They'll be able to offer to me sacrifices. He says, they shall be able to come near to me and to minister to me. And that's what God is looking for. See, because we can serve and minister to people, but God says, can you minister to me? And so have we defected from our service to God? So in this story of this priest that couldn't find a welcoming home, that couldn't get an invitation He got an invitation by this old man and the Bible says that he went into this old man's house and the old man says, whatever you need, I'll provide for you. And the Bible goes on to say that as they were eating, that a knock came on the door. And the voice was the men of the city. The Bible calls them perverted men. And the Bible says that these men knocked on the door and they said, bring out the man who came to your house. Notice when the devil's knocking at your home, he's always calling for the man. He's not calling for your children. He's not calling for your wife. He's not calling for those under you. He's calling for the man. They said, bring out the man who came to your house that we may know him carnally, sexually, What had happened here in Gibeah is exactly what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. You guys remember the story? The Bible says that Lot... Two angels came to his house and as they were in the, in the house warning Lot saying Lot we need to take you out because we're going to destroy this city the bible says perverted men came to his house and they began to knock on the door they began to bang on the door and they said bring out those two men they were angels and they said we want to know them sexually What the two men had in common when they refused to let these men out to these perverted men, the Bible says that they sent to those that were knocking on the door, No, my brethren, please do not do so wickedly. But what I found interesting is not only that they call them my brethren, the Bible says that this man who had taken in this Levi sent to those knocking on his door to bring out those men, he called him his friends lot called the people of the world he called the sodomites he called these perverted persons he called them his friends no my friends don't do this such evil in our midst don't do these these are holy men of god and he calls them his friends in other words they had been detained by the world They had been detained, that they no longer had a different uh, uh, convictions. They no longer had anything different from them. In other words, they had the same things in common with the world. So they were detained. They were detained with friendship with the world. You know, one of the things that, as I was reading this chapter in Judges 19, the Bible says that the father-in-law detained him. Do you know how he detained him? He said, "Refresh your heart." I mean, if you read the text, he said it three times: "Refresh your heart. Refresh your heart. Refresh your heart." And the second thing he said to him is, "Let your heart be merry." Isn't that the isn't that the message of the world today? If you got friends detaining you, you don't have to leave just yet. They detain you, they they, they entertain you, and they say, don't just refresh your heart, refresh your heart, let your heart be merry. My friends, you've been detained by the world, perhaps Sodom, and this Gibeonite city, this attitude that had permeated the city, has detained you, and you need to break free from it, or you lose your service, you lose your compassion, and you're hurt. When the world can detain you. I know I'm speaking to myself. That's why all of you guys are quiet. Can't even get an amen in this Presbyterian church. No, we're not Presbyterian. That was just a joke. Somebody said, I'll never come back to this Presbyterian church. And I thought they were Pentecostal, the way that lady was praying. And one of the commentaries that I read about this book, it said, that a good man's heart is where his business is. It is a sign a man has either little to do at home or little heart to do what he has to do when he can take pleasure in being long abroad where he has nothing to do. You know, this Levite was in the home of someone who detained him. And they said, let your heart be merry. You know, cheer up your heart. You know, the Bible says if our heart convicts us, God is greater than our heart. And I thought about this and, and as I was reading this, we ought to know where we have no business. We ought to know where we have no business. And if we're staying long there, then we've been detained by that business. Because he's got a business to take care of. And so I ask you, my friends, is there anything that has detained you? Is there any business that you're involved in that has captured you or relationships that have detained you and they're holding on to you and you ought to break free of them and says, I don't belong here. I've been here too long. I'm ready to go. I got a place to go. I got people to go to. I got a home to go to. I got a family to go to. This generation has been detained. Make your heart merry. Make your heart merry, isn't that? The Bible says that in the last days, they'll be eating and drinking and giving in marriage. Refresh your heart, they say. Refresh your heart. The Bible says that our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Another thing that stands out, the Bible says that the Bible calls these men... Sons of Bilal. Sons of Bilal is two words. Bow meaning without and yell good for nothing. In other words, these men could not be governed. They could not be governed. God sent them priests and they went astray and they left him. God sent them prophets and they went astray and they couldn't be governed. So then the Bible says God sent them judges. Some of them were good and some of them were not. The priest had gone corrupt. And the Bible says that these men were ungovern, ungovernable and they became perverted. We're dealing with that in the United States of America today, where there's a rise in perversion. The Bible says that we ought to walk wisely, not as fools, and make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And the greatest wickedness of men is that men are ungovernable. No one wants to live under restraints and rules. They all want their own way. In the New Testament, the Bible shockingly talks about this man by the name of Diotrephes. In third John verse 9, the Bible says, Diotrephes, who loves to be first, The Bible says that he loves to be first. He loves to have the preeminence. And the Bible says he don't welcome anybody. Notice this is a church. This is an elder or a leader. And it says he does not welcome anybody into the church. He wants to be first. He says, therefore, if I come, this is the Apostle Paul. He's saying, when I come, I will call attention to what he does Prating against us with malicious words. Notice, I'm not content with that. He himself does not receive the brethren. Notice that this Levi was going to the city of Gibeah. And he says, well, I was coming into your city and no one welcomed me in. No one welcomed me in. Paul, the apostle, dealt with this in his church. And John actually says, when I come, I will call attention to what he's done. Notice this guy says, he forbids those who wish putting them out of the church. Notice Paul calls, calls this evil. He says, beloved, do not imitate what is evil. What is evil? An inhospitable or whatever you want to call it. Inhospitable or unhospitable. It's evil. And notice that this Levite found himself in a city. He knew no one. He had no family. He had no place to lay his head. But this old man who still had a welcoming attitude, who, who realized, well, where are you, where are you going? Notice he didn't ask him, where are you from? Because where are you from is not a prerequisite. For God to call you and use you. But how many of you guys know that if you know where you're going. And how many of us know that this is not our home. We have a heavenly home. And here the Bible says this old man asked him, where are you going? And he says, we're on our way to the house of the Lord. Is there anyone here this morning that is on your way to the house of the Lord? It does not matter where you've been. It does not matter where they've sent you. It does not matter where you come from. It does not matter if you grow up. If you grew up in the projects, God is concerned with where you are going. So this man asks him, where are you going? He says, I was on my way to the church or on my way to the house of the Lord, but no one welcomed him in. You know, there's three things about diatriphis that we learn. I learned about this guy a long time ago. I think it was Steve Farrar. He called him out. He said he's a, he's, he's not a leader, but I wrote three things down. Diotrephes, who loves to be first, he says he's unwelcoming, he's unhospitable, and I can imagine that an unwelcoming and an unhospitable person is unhappy. They're unhappy. You know that our Savior, the Bible says, he travels at night. In the book of Jeremiah, there's a verse that says, O hope of Israel, his Savior in time of trouble, why should you be like a stranger in the land and like a traveler. Notice who turns aside to tarry for a night. Notice that we don't know exactly who it is that we're called to serve. But when you see a traveler, when you see someone who's hurting, do you have a heart that goes to them and says, are you traveling? Do you need a place to lodge in? Now, none of us would welcome a stranger into our home. Nowadays, it's not advisable. But have we forgotten that Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. The night is coming when no man can work. Notice that this man was was traveling at night. And he says, the night, the day is far spent and the night is coming. Let us go out into the plaza. Let us see who will welcome us in. And the last point, visited Lot's home. This is a different story in Genesis. The Bible says that Lot came and he reasoned with these men of the city and he said, look, don't take these men. Take my daughters. Imagine that where you're willing to give up your very own for the evil that has detained you. He was detained by that spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says that when these angels got up, they grabbed Lot and they pulled him back in and said, you don't belong out there and you don't negotiate with them. They brought him back in. And the Bible says, and they struck the men with blindness. Never before has our world been so hopeless, groping. You know what it's like to grope in the darkness? The book of Acts chapter 17 that God says that he has determined the places where we shall live in hopes that we might grope for him. We're blinded in darkness and God says, I hope that you would grope for me and perhaps find me. And perhaps you may find me. The God of this world, according to 2 Corinthians, the Bible says has blinded the eyes of those who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Have we been blinded by this world? Has the world blinded us? Do we walk around not seeing the hurt and the pain? And I ask myself, have you been detained by this world? Have you lost conviction? Have you lost compassion? Have you lost your service? And I pray that as I was reading this text, I was thinking that, my God, that could easily be me. We we walk around and, and we see someone says, no one invited you in. No one took you in. And notice that this young man, before he got to the city of Gibeah, he wasn't really concerned about where he was going. He got detained one night. One night turned into two nights. Two nights turned into three nights. And then pretty soon, he's, he's, he's cheering up his heart and he's trying to be merry with the world. And he had no haste. He had no business to go take care of. So he tarried a little longer. And I wonder, do we tarry a little longer when we have no business to take care of? I love what David said to the priest of Himelech when he went in to the house of the Lord. And David asked him, do you have any bread in the house of the Lord and do you have any weapons? Because I did not bring mine because the king's business, or in one translation it said, the king's mission requires haste. So we don't know where we're going. We ain't got time to be detained by the world and the deceitfulness of riches. I did some research on the name Ahimelech and the Bible says Ahimelech his name means the king is my brother. The king is my brother. And I wonder here If any one of us can say the king is still my brother because the Bible says there is one that sticks closer than a brother, his name is King Jesus. Or have you made an alliance with your brethren, the people of the world, my brethren, my friends, have they detained you? Have they detained you? I don't know where you defected. I can only answer for myself. Have we become a defected priesthood where we've left service